Welcome everybody to Tracklandia. If you're listening to this through podcasts, welcome, welcome YouTube watchers. I'm not gonna say Happy New Year to all of you because I, I guess it's it's the 16th now. I don't know when we're gonna put this out, maybe in the next couple days, but I mean, those of you fulfilling your New Year's resolutions on a run, congratulations, great job. Good job getting out there. You can find us in podcast format now on Spotify and probably other places, I would imagine, at some point. Not yet. We, we do have a partnership, a lucrative partnership with Spotify. Yeah, and that's been asked for for a long time. But no free pub, by the way. We gotta cover that up. But yeah, let's get into it. So we're gonna be doing these regularly this year, exploring meets that we're working on, as well as what we deem the best races taking place around the world this year. So that's something new that we're gonna launch. And you know us, we're all about racing. And that is the sport in our minds. So that's what we're gonna be focusing on. It's been a point of emphasis from the beginning of Trackland slash Tracklandia that we do not wanna work on a bunch of meets. That's been something we've discussed from the beginning. We wanna focus on a select few and deliver a high quality product to respect the effort of the athletes on the track and to captivate viewers. And we're always trying to think of different ways that we can bring viewers into the race and describe what's going on with the athletes making moves on the track and, and vying for that, that ultimate win that they're trying to achieve. We don't, we also don't wanna oversaturate the market with meets because there are, there are a lot of meets out there and a lot of opportunities for athletes to race, which is great, but what we really want is for the best to face off against the best. So us creating more meets is not achieving that goal. Yeah, the more meets that take place, the less chances for the best to, to race against the other best in meaningful competition, which is something that we all wanna see. So as it sits right now, our featured meets on the calendar are the Lilac Grand Prix, which is gonna take place on January 27th, so coming up real quick. And the 10 with sound running, we'll be back down there in San Juan Capistrano, where all the 10K runners flock to year after year, March 4th. That'll be that weekend, March 3rd or 4th, targeting the 4th. And then the Portland Track Festival, so close to our hearts, right here in Portland, Oregon. That'll take place in early June, more to come on that very soon. But that'll be a super exciting meet we're very excited about the window of that meet this year because as you all know, the pre-classic has been moved to the fall as the Diamond League final. And the Portland Track Festival is situated nicely in the heart of Tracklandia, captivating that, that coveted spot on the calendar that pre-classic has vacated. So yeah, more information on that soon, but it should be an electric affair as always. There may be others, but if there are, they'll be well thought out, I promise you. We know that setup time trials are cool, but only if it's about five to 10% of the sport, I think. They're a little treat that we get every once in a while. Too much of them spoils the fun and takes away from what the real sport is about. Like we all know, racing. Matching wits as well as physical abilities on the track in a game played out between the most skilled athletes known to mankind and womankind. That's right. I think our friend of the, friend of the program and uh, and contributor over at Sidious, Kyle Merber, has or likened time trials to, to a home run derby, I think, where you just, you line up and you just hit dingers out into the outfield. But me, I, I usually refer to it as an NFL combine. Like we know what your raw tools are. That's where we find out what kind of times you can run, if it's perfectly set up, if conditions are, 
are exactly the way that you'd like them to be to run fast. But uh, we want to know how you use those tools in a race, just like NFL combine athletes. You know how fast they can run the 40, how many times they can bench 225, what their standing broad jump in is, but how can they use those tools in a game? And it's, it's very similar in, in the sport of track and field, especially when it comes to middle distance racing where there's a lot of tactics involved, strategy, you have to take stock of what the other athletes in the field bring to the table and then use what you have and execute your race well in order to, to get the win. But that leads us to the Lilac Grand Prix. It's opening day of pro track in the United States. And the Lilac Grand Prix is going to take place on January 27th. And that'll lead into February 4th, which is the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix in Boston. And then the following week, February 11th, which is the Milrose Games in the Armory in New York City. So this year's Lilac Grand Prix is once again hosted by the Nike Union Athletics Club. And they're inviting the best to come compete. And that's what it's all about. The best, the best against the best. We've said it many times already. But, uh, but the Union Athletics Club prides themselves in being racers. And they want other people to come in, providing them the opportunity to race against them out in Spokane and we're excited to be there too. U.S. distance running legend Shannon Robery and I will be on the call for the races, and it's gonna be brought to you free of charge, courtesy of Hayward Magic and Tracktown USA. So that's a new deal for us. We've had some free meets before in the past, and we always enjoy bringing free meets to the table for all of you to enjoy watching, but it's only if we can make it an equitable proposition for the athletes involved and our partners that, are, that have supported this meet have allowed us to do that, and we're super excited. I'm excited to get back into the booth with Shannon. We were there last year, and it was phenomenal atmosphere in the podium in Spokane. I highly recommend anybody who can get out there January 27th to buy in-person tickets because it's, it's a great spot, and it's right on the river over the Spokane Falls, right next to this beautiful path and within walking distance of a ton of great bars and restaurants. So exactly where a venue should be. But the 800s and 1500s at Lilac will be World Athletic Silver Level events. This is important. So this year, as you all know, World Athletics announced some significant drops in qualifying times for Paris 2024. And the internet was a buzz when that happened. Lots of people out there saying that these times are unattainable by many standards, uh, by many athletes out there. They've, they've dropped significantly. For instance, the, the men's 1500 is now 333.5, and it was 335. The women's 1500 is 402.5. The men's 10,000, 27 flat, and a lot of people were pointing to Chris Zielinski running 26. 59 back in the day and breaking the American record and yeah that that is that is only achieving the qualifying standard to make it to the Olympics now the women's standard for the 10,000 meters is 30:40, which is also an amazing time there's only a few people in the world that can that can do that but it was always going to be the fastest people in the world that compete in the Olympics and anybody who's surprised by that I don't know what to tell you. I think that what this is that many more athletes are going to have to qualify for the games based on their world athletics ranking, which I'm very excited about. 
because that's boosted by how many points you accrue in your performance score in your best performances of the year. So, and this, this has been going on for a few years now. Athletes have, it's kind of been a backdoor entry into the Olympic Games. And notably, Nick Willis was chasing that, trying to climb up the, the world rankings in 2021, in Tokyo 2020, so that he could run his final Olympic Games. And he was able to get in there. But now it's going to be, become more of the norm, I think, because of these times. And I think this was World Athletics' goal, is that they want to incentivize racing more and beating people in races. And, and I think that's something that we hesitate to say in this sport, that when you step to the line, you want to win. And people should never be ashamed to say that, because that's what the game is about. That's, what, that's why the game is played. That's why the race is run. Um, but that, that's going to put more emphasis on boosting your world ranking this year. So a performance score, let's get back to that. Let's define this for you. It's your results score, which you can find in the World Athletics Times tables. They're available for you on the World Athletics website. Your results score corresponds to the time that you run. And there's like 300 page documents that just go through every tenth of, of all of these distances and give a corresponding score. Obviously the lower times are worth more. So that's your result score and add your placing score to this. Your placing score is the points that you get in a meet carrying a World Athletics tier status. Whether that's gold, silver, bronze, there's, there's many more too. There's championship level tiers and that information is also available on the World Athletics website. But your performance score is your result score plus your placing score in any given competition that you compete in. What this means is that a set up time trial with no World Athletics tier status is worth less than results achieved in a meet with status, ideally a competitive one. So let's, let's crunch these numbers a little bit here. 3.30 in the 1500, an exceptional time, in a non-status meet is worth roughly 3.37 in a win in a silver level competition. Kind of ridiculous there, but that's, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, but as we all know, 3.30 achieves the time qualifying standard. So it, you're already in then. It, well, it, scratch that. Let's, let's reverse a little bit. There are a lot of qualifying steps that, that each federation has set in place. So once you've hit that time in the US, for example, then you can race to get top three in the champion. And then you will automatically be eligible to go to the to the Olympics after that. Other countries have different selection processes in place. But say you run just over 333.5, which is the standard, that is equivalent to a 330, or sorry, that is equivalent to a 340 win in a silver level meet. So we can now see tactical racing with with real stakes in place here. Also, getting eighth in a silver level meeting in 332.8 is the equivalent of running 330 in a no status meet. For women, a win in a silver level meet in 412 is worth the same amount of points as running four flat in a non-status meet. And so is getting eighth in 405. Here's a, here's a reality check here. A four flat win in a silver level meet is worth the same amount of points as running a 347 in the 1500 in a meet without status. We love this. We love this for a lot of reasons. This, like we said before, this, this incentivizes racing and it, and it allows athletes to seek those opportunities 
where they can match up against other athletes. It funnels them into these, these meets where we'll be seeing meaningful competition more and more. These are outdoor scores, by the way. There's indoor numbers as well, and, but those are pretty similar to this. I think there are a few ticks off, but you can check all of those numbers at the World Athletics. And I just want to reiterate that in no way does this take away the meaning of running those times. We're always going to be impressed by, by times. And I think what it does is it increases the chances of top, athlete, top athletes racing each other, like we said before. And there's no reason why you can't run fast times in tiered meets either. We saw what, what Jake Weichmann and, and Jakob Ingebrigtsen did in Oregon last year running 329. And that result score is up in the 1400s, which is, which is an incredible score. I think it's 375 points to win a, a world championship, and that's the, the placing score. It's 100 points to win a silver level meet and 140 to win a gold meet. So those are the those numbers will mean more the more that we look into this and we'll be following that as well and and continuing to promote those numbers as we broadcast meets too and, and tell you the meaning of, of what all this is. So now I think what they just need to do is get rid of qualifying based on standards altogether because if we really want to see the best athletes race against each other then they need to just go off of rankings and points that, that they achieve. It's, it's a weird thing in the sport, and I have to attribute this. Well, this is what Scotty Olberding, treasurer of Portland Track, is always saying. Just get rid of the auto qualifier here. But it, it's a weird position that they put us in fans in because, in reality, athletes only have to race five times a year in order to be eligible to race in the World Championships. So the very best of the best, the Sydney McLaughlins, the, the Athing Moes, they're only going to have to race five times. And really, if they knock their, their standard out of the way, that, that's it. Like, they don't have to jump in and compete against the best before then. So it's a weird position to put fans in because fans are almost rooting against the best athletes to achieve these great times because it means that it's pulling them out of the rest of the season of racing and they're not going to get to see them that much. And that's just a backwards way to view the sport, I think. Or it's a backwards way that the sport's constructed. But anyway, that's a, that's a little dive into the point system there. And we're going to have a write-up again done by Intern 47 on, that, on the weekly, weekly shorts on the website pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. Okay, back to Lilac. Big thank you to our partners, Nike and the Union Athletics Club, Tracktown, Hayward Magic, Spokane Sports, and The Podium, where this event is taking place in Spokane, and Total Running Productions for getting this thing off the ground and making it possible. Spokane is a great town, too. We already talked about it. I mean, it's a, it's a growing town, and I love it because it almost feels like a, like a Midwest town, like city. It's got that Rust Belt feel to it because the railroad came through there, connecting it to Seattle. So you've got all these turn of the century skyscrapers there, the brick buildings, great architecture. So highly recommend Spokane, can't recommend it enough. And that's not just because my wife went to Gonzaga. It's just a great city. I'm getting a thumbs down from, from JJ over here, but, uh, but take my word for it. Don't take his word. Not Spokane, Gonzaga. Oh, Gonzaga, he's a basketball fan or something like that. It's going to be a great meet with some fantastic fields. And like I said, it's, it's silver level status. So there are real stakes at play here. The women's 800. So we have Union Athletics Clubs, Michaela Meyer and McKenna Keegan. They're the two rookies jumping in. Just joined up with UAC this year. And they're going to be facing off against Aaliyah Miller, 
the the Baylor grad on Athletics Club. She runs for Team Boss now under Joe Bosshard there out in Colorado. Madeline Kelly, too, the Canadian 159 Olympian is going to be in the field. Kayla Edwards, too, 159 runner. So that's going to be a great a great race there. Men's 800. Noah Cabet, the Nike athlete, Kenyan man, too. 144 guy, young gun coming up. He's somebody to look out for. He's got a good stature for indoor racing, and he's going to be facing off against Isaiah Harris there and a few other notable runners who we'll, we'll clue you in on as we, we get closer to the meet. But Isaiah Harris, obviously one of the top 800-meter runners in the United States, Brooks Beast there, and he wants to get the win in Washington. Represent the home turf. Women's 800, Eleanor Fulton is in there, Portland's Portland finest there, Portland pride, and she's facing off against Gabby Jennings. Allie Cash is going to be in there, and a slew of, of fantastic runners. Nia Akins is actually jumping into the 1500, Brooks Beast. Hannah Hermanson, the Swedish athlete, too, 405 runner there. I'm rolling through these heats, but we're going to be giving you a, a deeper analysis and deep dive next week on the show. Men's 1500, we've got the man Clayton Murphy in this race, opening his season in the 1500, not the 800, and he's running against Charlie Murphy, or sorry, not Charlie Murphy, Charlie Hunter, excuse me, I'm going all Rick James here. Charlie Hunter, the UAC athlete there, 334 man, minted outdoors last year, 144 guy too. Clayton Murphy, obviously a bronze medalist and outdoor champion in the 800 meters, but 1500 here, they're gonna be running against CPT. Charles Philibert Thibodeau, the Canadian, and uh, he's not afraid to mix it up. And we'll see who takes the lead in this one, too. We know he'll call somebody out for not doing it, but he's got to jump up there and do some work himself. We'll see if he has to. Henry Wynn, the Brooks Beast, also in there, and uh, we'll give you more of those fields like next week. But women's 3,000 meters, Marta Penfredis, Grace Barnett, and Roisin Flanagan in that one. And men's 3,000 meters, you got Cole Hawker jumping in this one to open his season, getting ready for the Milrose games later on. You also have Amos Bartelsmeyer, David Ribich in there, and Jack Urian too. So a group of, of sub-750 sub guys in this field, and we'll see what they can do on the banks of the Spokane River. There may be another world record attempt by UAC in the DMR. And I say may because it is so difficult to get these kinds of things together. And I know as fans, this is something that we all want to see. And personally, I want to see teams racing against each other, like the UAC, the Brooks Beasts, New Balance Boston. I want to see them too in this because that's what, like we've been, like we've been saying, that's what the sport is about. It's about racing and not, not record attempts all the time. These are, these are special things, but these are very difficult things to pull together because you need to have four athletes who are ready to go and ready to go at the same time. And that's what, make, that's what made this, this race by UAC last year so special is that all of these athletes were on the same team. They all represented the Union Athletics Club and they broke the indoor world record. I don't care if it wasn't in a, or if it was an official world record ratified by World Athletics or not, they recognized it on their Instagram, so it counts. But, I mean, I say that because World Athletics doesn't recognize the indoor DMR as an official world record. They call it a world best. But four members of the same team, ready at the same time, did it for each other, broke the record. I would love to see that happen against other 
other teams. And that allows the opportunity, especially in relay races, for heroes to emerge. You have somebody who has a heroic leg, puts the team on their back, so to speak, and is able to carry them to victory. Those types of things are possible, and that kind of phenomenon is compounding. You have fans that attach themselves to that. They feel like they're a part of the team, competing against other teams with other fan bases. And, and then you get the trash talking on the message boards and all that. So that's what, that's what makes these things go around and something that we really want to make happen in the future. But it may happen this year for the UAC. We'll keep you. Also incredible elite high school fields for this meet too in the mile. So look out for that. The boys race is shaping up nicely. We know our boy Wes Gypsy from the Stark Street Elite here. Central Catholic is jumping in, 406 guy. And he's got a lot of contenders out there. So there's also a fantastic girls race shaping up. Logan Hofsty is a local Spokane athlete, and she's got her hands full fending off athletes coming in from California and Oregon as well, up to her stomping grounds in Spokane. All right, which leads us to fan polling. So we're, we're moving right through all these things here. Fan polling, and some of you know it. We want to get more of you into it, and I think we need to start doing that by picking a better name. Um, Fan polling doesn't, doesn't elicit a lot of excitement amongst people, I think. We need to figure out a better, more exciting name. And I think maybe we'll, uh, we'll throw it out there to you guys. Like, what do you want to call this? It's a, it's a pick your winners type event. And you get, to, you get to pick your winners or who you think is going to win each of these top level races. And then you get to win a prize too, if you do that. So what do you want it to be called? We'll, we'll figure out the best names, the best submissions, and then how about we put it to a fan poll? And you can vote on what name you want it to be called. It might end up being Bodie McBoatface, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Anyway, fan polling. So you can take part in the action and pick your favorites to win all at tracklandcom forward slash meet forward slash LGP for Lilac Grand Prix. The way it works. So in the top, in the silver level events of this meet, the 800s and 1500 events, men's and women's, you pick who you think is going to be top three for each of those. A correct pick for first place is worth five points. Correct pick for second place is worth three points. A correct pick for third place is worth one point. The best anybody can do, if you get all of them right, is to get 32 points. Five plus three plus one times four, that's 32. So the highest score will win a prize, and we'll let you know what that prize is soon. Last year, at the Portland Track Festival, Nike put up a $1,000 gift card for the best scorecard. So, could be something like that. We'll let you know soon enough, which is fantastic. I mean, this gets everybody involved, and, and it allows you to win as well at the Lilac Grand Prix. This is not gambling, so it is legal, because there is no risk to you. Believe me, we looked through this. It doesn't cost you anything at all to play. You just have to make your picks and submit it. And then it, you can even print out a scorecard and share that on Instagram too and show everybody else who you picked, which is pretty cool. And that scorecard was designed by Sarah Foreman this year. So it's a nice piece of, piece of art and we'll, we'll show you that pretty soon. What I've always loved about the prospect of gambling and track is that it gets people picking to actually think about what it might take to win in a given race. I mean, it's all... It's always fun to, to risk things and, and, and make your picks, and, and gambling's just fun anyway. But I think that the best thing 
that uh, that it can do for this sport is to educate people on the runners who are in a race and it gets it gets you to think about what it takes to win because we're not asking you who's going to run a certain time in this we're asking you who you think will win so you have to think well how is this race going to play out and then judging off of that who are the best candidates to win a race like that and who who are those athletes in the race who has a certain set of skills It'll, it, ha it asks you to think about an athlete's particular set of skills and how they match up against other athletes in the field and how that race is shaped because of all the athletes in there. So I think it's, a, it's an amazing way to look at the race and it allows people to look at it more like a game. It's really cool. Um, yeah, and when you make all of your picks too, those are added into the database at, at trackland.com and you can see on the meet page what everybody else thinks will happen which is pretty cool too. We'll have, a, we'll have a, that, a total fan poll there. And so you can see who the fan favorite is, who the fan favorite for second is. You can see how many votes each of athletes has and then how many first place votes each of those athletes had. So it's a, it's a pretty cool interactive element. Kudos to Michael Flotron for putting that together. It's a, it's a lot of hard work, but we're proud of it. And then we get to watch the race and see how it all plays out. And we're wrong a lot of the time, but that's the beauty of sports, right? Okay, lastly, I want to talk about Sweeten. That's another cool piece of, of functionality that we've added to the site. So for those of you who follow us, some of our broadcasts are pay-per-view, and we made a lot of noise doing that because when they're pay-per-view, they cost $5.99, and $4 of, of that goes into the purse for the athletes in a profit-sharing model. So that doesn't happen anywhere else in the sport, and we're pretty proud of that, putting, putting money into the purse for athletes to compete for and it really, it really showcases the reason why athletes are getting to the line, not to grab the money, but to compete, really, because that's what the sport is all about. $5.99 is far less than, than UFC fights, we've, we've, we've learned, which are like $80 to $100. So, I mean, just imagine what that could do to the prize purse and an athlete's ability to earn. We've also learned that Mr. Olympia, is that right? Mr. Olympia, the, the bodybuilding competition, started a pay-per-view this year, and what do they charge for for pay-per-view? I think yeah, I think it was somewhere over a hundred dollars, which is crazy. But yeah, that's so five ninety nine is not a lot. But this time the broadcast is free, and our partners have already seeded the prize purses enough to achieve the silver level status. So we're we're very proud to announce that this broadcast is available to all including the, the fan polling that comes along with it. Um, but this is about sweeten the pot here. And uh, that's something where you can still add to the purses and boost the incentives for athletes here and actually and reward them for the work being done on the track. So let me tell you a little story here. Kick back a little bit, maybe uh, settle into a pace if you're out on your run. Back in 2020, we held the big friendly track meets and you, you might remember those. It was a series of five meets held in the summer of 2020 in, in the, the heat of the pandemic, but we outlined safe places for athletes, some of the world's best who were based in Oregon to compete, and uh, we broadcasted them for free so that people could watch them who had nothing else to do or were stuck at home. Nigel Amos and Donovan Brazier arguably the number one and number two 800 meter runners on the planet at the time 
were at the same meet three times that summer. They never raced. And agents told us what it would take for them to face off, and we couldn't do it. And it was, it was a large sum of money. And fair enough. Like, that's, that's what it takes. These guys need to protect their value because for them to face off, it, it should cost a lot of money because they're the best in the world. We, we didn't have that, that cash at the time. But what we wanted to do was figure out a way to make that happen because we know that all the fans want to see the, those kinds of races too. They want to see meaningful races with stakes in the competition. Pay-per-view was a part of it and so was Sweeten the Pot. Sweeten the Pot, I want to be clear here, is not a charity. It is not something that we're asking, we're asking you to give athletes because athletes need money to, to train and, and, and live their lives. Sweeten the Pot is a mechanism that we built to make the races that we want to see possible. So if a brand or a generous benefactor decides that they want to throw $10,000 into the purse, it can really influence the fields and head-to-head -head matchups that we all want to see. So say Sir Josh Kerr or Ollie Hoare sees that, sees that $10,000 have been put into the purse by somebody who could then put their name on a note too and say, go get him Josh Kerr. I want you to take this, whether that's Brooks or whether it's a big fan of the sport, they can throw that in there. Then Josh can see that and say, I want to take that. I want to jump in there and take that money. And we will let him in up until the night before the race. I promise you that. So take a look at the sweet in the pot here and throw it in if you'd like to. I mean, for those of you who would pay for a broadcast, $5.99, Throw, throw that in if you would like to, but also for those who want to see the sport move forward and see meaningful competition and have money to spare too and, and want to give to the sport and are looking for ways to do that, this is something that can really push it forward. If you put money into Sweeten the Pot, it goes right back to the athletes and incentivizes head-to-head -head competition and racing. Eleanor Fulton, sixth ranked in the United States and an un, un, unsponsored athlete says, hey, I want to take that money that's put in there. She can. And she's in the race already because we fill the fields based on merit and merit alone. We'll always do that. If, if, the, yeah, if athletes are ranked in the top 20 in the world, we will add them to the fields the night before the race. I give you my word. And as new information comes to the surface for you as a fan too, you can change your fan polling pick up until the gun goes off in each race. So you can keep checking and seeing like who came in, how should I change, how does that change the landscape of the race, and can, should I change my pick here? And you can do that up until the gun goes off. I mean, during the big friendly season, the 2020 season, we never got to see Donovan Brazier and Nigel Amos face off, but we did get to see the emergence of Derek Holdsworth too. And uh, he was a young guy just out of college looking for a shot at a race, and uh, we let him in the field in the big friendly pro 600 meters and he placed second to Nigel Amos. So if we had sweetened the pot back then, he would have capitalized on it. And rightfully so, he would have earned every penny and it would have helped him progress in his career too. So this is something that we always want you to buy shoes to support the footwear companies because they've done more than anybody else to, to push this sport forward. But if you want to give back to the athletes, 
This is an, and, and push the sport forward. This is an immediate way that you can do it. So we want, yeah, back to, back to it. We want athletes to race in meaningful races where they can capitalize on the value that they bring in the work that they do. And when the sport is built around racing and matchups, it's the best product, I think. And, and we think that here at, at Tracklandia from intern one to intern 7,000. We're all in agreement here. Everybody's, everybody's nodding their heads in the back of the room here. And when that's the case, when the sport's the best product here, the fans win and it's valuable for athletes and everybody investing in it. So that's our show for the evening. We'll be back next week with a closer look at the lilac fields and some careful analysis of it. All right, thanks for joining us. Good night, everybody. Seacrest out.